I will start out by confessing something to you. There have been countless times in my life in which I have felt defensive about another person's understanding of what being a Christian is. Those moments when we feel unfairly accused of believing a certain thing or living a certain kind of life, they lead us to places where we hear ourselves saying things like, oh, those other kinds of Christians. What I mean is thinking or saying something like, well, the God I believe in, or those Christians have it all wrong, or not all Christians, fill in the blank. If I had a penny for every time I felt like this. There is danger in this habit, though. While we might think it's just a factually true statement, we often overgeneralize other traditions because we ourselves are unclear about how we feel about the state of things. Or perhaps we feel disconnected from God. And it's no wonder we feel this way sometimes. We can look to scripture and find whatever it is that confirms what we think and say. You know, we can say that there are only certain kinds of Christians who interpret scripture in this way in order to imply that we are not among them. But I actually think it is, we are all very easily capable of succumbing to the temptation of ignoring nuance out of our desperate need for clarity. Often approaching scripture as something living and breathing, complicated and endlessly insightful means that we have more questions than we did when we started out. It is both exciting and hopeful and incredibly frustrating. Particularly during the times in life, especially in the era of instant news and social media, that we are confronted with an issue and feel pressured to provide a response. We wonder what, in fact, Jesus would do or say about the issues we care about, whether it's gun violence, climate change, government spending, sexuality, abortion, to name a few. Our text from Luke today can help us unpack the complexity of scripture and whittle down our faith to its core, core truth. Perhaps this will be useful for us as we navigate all sorts of uncertainty. My hope today is to lead us in a reflection of what it means to be an integrated believer. An integrated believer. How can we find ways to integrate the things that we experience here in this church with what we are confronted with out there? I ask humbly for your trust here. This church, Christ Church, has a long tradition of welcoming acceptance and bipartisanship that I think is a rare and precious quality in our country. And even though I have been here for a mere fraction of this history, it is one of the biggest reasons why I felt called to serve at Christ Church. Because I believe that unity and fellowship are so intrinsic to being Christian. We're showing the world something that a lot of people think 
is impossible. I am proud to walk my spiritual journey with all of you. And in light of this, I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that our lives are so disintegrated that we can or should completely separate our spiritual selves with the selves that leave this place and go to work, go grocery shopping, go to a friend's house, hang out on the playground, post on Facebook. I am pretty confident in my assumption that everyone here is able to integrate the things that you learn in a house of faith with the ways you live your lives and are actually seeking to become a more integrated being. Christ calls us into a moral and ethical space. This helps us make decisions, form opinions, and generally shape our lives. The important thing, I think, is the variety of those decisions and opinions, along with the fact that the content of those opinions and the personhood that comes along with it, you, will always be loved here. The content of those opinions will never determine how much you are loved here. Our gospel passage tells us about many people who were in the midst of making big decisions. Primarily, when, how, and why to follow Jesus. Do they stay in the lives that they have, which are familiar, but no less blessed or holy? Or do they follow Jesus, despite what it may cost? We think we know the right, what the right decision is for them to make. But like everything in scripture, this story is more complicated. And it deserves more thought from us than a mere gloss over by taking away that, oh, well, God is just the most important. Or we have to always prioritize God over everything else. The act of integration is much harder than this. Because I don't believe that Christ's responses to these disciples, I think they're rather reasonable requests, actually, to shore up loose ends before getting on the road. I don't think that this is some kind of bizarre test where we either pass or fail. God ordains our lives in all of their ordinariness. The love we have for family and friends and our children and strangers, the gifts that we use in pursuit of a vocation, the ways we steward our resources and time in service of others, those are all holy and blessed. I don't think God's making us choose here. The point of Christ's response, rather, to let the dead bury their own dead and to not turn back, even once, is not to scold us into promising to choose Jesus over and above everything else. And it might be true that we do this, and it is true that discipleship is costly, but Christ isn't merely telling us what it's going to cost us. His behavior in this story shows us his heart his own single-minded pursuit of the cross. Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, and that is where he was going to go, to save us, to suffer for us, to undergo this unfathomable love that God has for us. And nothing, not Samaria, 
not the disciples, not anything will stop him. That is the point of this. The rest of the theological narrative in Luke demonstrates Jesus' single-minded pursuit of humanity's salvation, no matter the things that distract us or hold us back. He does what we can't. Because you see, we are loved by a God who sent Jesus to set his face toward Jerusalem from the very beginning. To undergo betrayal and suffering for our salvation. That is a nearly incomprehensible amount of love. That is what Jesus shows us in this story. The core, the being, the definition of God working in the world, which is endless and undistracted love. God's love still doesn't get us off the hook for having to make decisions, form opinions, and do our very best to live our lives in the light of God's gifts. Each day we face big things and little things, each day, reminding us how complicated the world is and how our actions can have consequences for others. We look to Jesus to tell us what to think, feel, and do. When we do look at Jesus here today in our gospel, we see a dogged pursuit of our salvation and unconditional love that underlies and results from it. This is at the core of being a Christian. It is what can show us the way when we are in a confusing place. I also commend to you Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4. When you are wondering what to do, to think or to feel. Paul exhorts the Philippians to think on things that are true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. And so it is our responsibility to ask ourselves the right questions. The right questions aren't just, Katie, what do you think? Or John, what do you think? Or so-and-so, what do you think? Or to open scripture and find something that just makes us feel better without doing the work. Paul is telling us to ask the right questions. All of them predicated on how much God loves us. Here are some. What is the kind response? What is the just response? What is the most hospitable response? What is the most loving response? What is the response that gives dignity to the poor and the lonely, to the sick and the dying, to people suffering any kind of physical or emotional or spiritual pain? How can we make our world kind, just, dignifying, and loving? I'm not going to sit here and tell you the answer to this. Our answers to these questions might be different, and maybe they'll change over time. But when we know the right questions to ask, we are led to our opinions about all of the things, partisan or not. We become integrated believers when we ask this question. 
we become so enmeshed with the divine breathing inside of ourselves and others that our default is always to remember the love of God at the core of our story. It will never fade. It will never go out. It will never fail us. God's love leads us to the next right thing. May it sustain all of us when we need it. And may we know where to look for it. May we seek to find it here and out there with one another as integrated believers. I believe it's possible. I trust in this way. Thank you for walking with me. In the name of God.